Hello, everybody. Today is uh, Thursday, July 14th, 2022. And this is Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast. Uh, I am Tom M. Bowden from Southern Illinois University Information Technology Program. And today we have a guest who was a online IST student um, back maybe, what, you graduated in, was it 2017? Uh 15, I think. 2015. Okay. Yeah. 2015. So a little while ago, a uh, student that I remember having. And um, one of the funny things I remember, Drew, um, and you don't know this, but I remember in D2L, if, if I'm thinking of if this accurately, you had a picture for your profile and you were smiling. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. Okay, so my graduate assistant at the time, Nassim, when she was helping with the class and doing things, you remember her? Yeah. Okay, she always would refer to you as the smiling guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> because because with online students, you know, there weren't a lot of chances to actually talk and get to know people, so we came to know people by the by by their their profile pictures on on D two L. So you were the smiling guy. Yeah, I imagine you guys have come a long way since then. Well, one of the neatest things I think that that I've been a part of with online learning has been this class and having so many people come back and, and talk to uh, talk to the students who, who are able to join. And then, you know, the ones who watch afterwards um, get to get to hear from me as well. And this has just been a lot of fun for me because I've reconnected with people. And, and while I had you in class, I, I, I don't think we ever I don't know if we ever talked in real life. Um, so this is, this is a cool opportunity and, uh, I, I've seen what you've done since then. And I, it feels a, an interesting area that we've not had anybody speak to quite yet. So I am excited about that. Um, and I guess let's, let's just go get started. Uh, Drew, uh, would you kind of introduce yourself? Where are you from? Um, what do you like to do for fun? What are your interests? And then we'll start talking about technology and that type of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Drew. I'm from uh, Mattoon, Illinois. Um, I live in the Champaign area. Um, I like working on old houses, old cars, stuff like that. Um, got a family and uh, just been in IT for about 15 years now. Um, yeah. What do you have a spe specific car project you're working on right now? Yeah, I've got an old uh, C10 from the 60s that I'm working on. Just, oh, uh, okay. One of those back burner kind of things, but so keeps do you me busy. do you um do you try to keep the original uh equipment, motor and trans and stuff like that, or do you go with new stuff and tweaking it out and uh, I'm just kind of working with what I got to make it drivable and you know go get ice cream with the kids kind of deal and then then maybe someday. okay and then someday maybe the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Cool. So you said you've been working in IT for 15 years, approximately. And, and so that means you were uh, working in IT when you were in school. And I mentioned before that um, you were one of our online students. Um, a lot of the, the folks in this summer class are online students um, based elsewhere. Um, so I thought it'd be cool to have somebody who, who came through that program and, and did the schooling that way to, to share what, what they thought and and uh, tell us what they've been up to since. So Drew, uh, Drew Kenton, um, have you always been interested in technology? 
Yeah, totally. Um, we got my first computer when I was a kid, you know, with like Windows 95, Wolfenstein, and Doom, and all that stuff. And yeah, I, I kind of became the, you know, it didn't have a modem at first. Uh, so I went to Staples and installed the modem and got AOL working on the CD and all that. And then I just kind of became the family IT guy. And um, I went to school for football mostly um, and didn't really have any kind of career plan. Um, and I got hurt and went back home and started working in a factory right away and decided, you know, well, this computer stuff, it's, you know, there's an endless amount to learn. Um, I'm interested in it. So uh, I decided to go to Lakeland College. And when I was there, um, I pretty much got a job offer right away from uh, my stepmom's company that she worked for they were doing medical transcription from home and this was back in 08 um, okay. everybody worked from home and they had somebody in her computer controlling the mouse and installing stuff and I, I showed interest in that said I was in school and then you know they brought me on for uh, entry level and away I went uh, so I was doing Lakeland full-time I'm doing that full-time both remote um and then somebody came to Lake Clan and told us all about Southern and this program. And that was probably was thinking, me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And Scott Ryan's class. So yep. I, was, I was thinking, you know, this that sounds good, but I think I'm just going to, you know, try to get a job and just, you know, try to work full time. And I did. I eventually um, got on with the University of Illinois. Um, people didn't really take remote work seriously back then. I, I had a hard time for anybody even, you know, acting like my job was real. Uh, and I got that offer at the university and I was, I quickly realized that a degree was my, my meal ticket there. Just, uh, I was making half of the salary of the people next to me and we had the same jobs. They just had the degree. So, um, university paid for bachelors and, um, I remembered this program. I looked it up and a lot of the stuff would already, already kind of matched, you know, that you talked about. So. Uh, away I went, and I've only been to Southern one time, and it was to graduate. So, well, that's probably the most important time you could come. Yeah, it was great. I brought brought my family, all that. Cool. So you did, um, and one of the things that I really love about our our iTech program is is the amount of transfer students that we get um, from different programs and different colleges, mostly within Illinois in the region, but. Um, sometimes elsewhere. And um, I had the opportunity to go around and, and I visited a lot of colleges uh, and spoke to and become, you know, kind of buddies with uh, some of the faculty. You know, Scott, I've kind of lost touch with Scott Ryan, but I always thought he was a really, really cool guy and neat stuff that he did in his classes. Um, I remember going there and seeing the Raspberry Pis that were multi LCD display wall type thing. And and his, his labs and just just neat stuff that I think he was doing before uh, a lot of other folks seem to be so um, you know and that helps when there's strong um, programs that that students transfer from it it makes teaching them um, you know just makes it not a breeze but it's 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 awesome when people come in and they've got a solid foundation um, so so kudos to Lakeland and and Scott. Um, I'll have to reach out. I'll, I'm going to put this out as a podcast. I'll send him the link so he can hear you hear our hear our talk afterwards. Oh, great. Um, so I remember you were working with the uh, U of I in the library, right? 
Yeah, I worked at the U of I library for um, five years. I was doing desktop support, workstation and network support there. So what did that look like? What, what kind of activities were you doing on, a, on the daily? Uh, we supported about 500 public computers um, at various libraries spread throughout campus, uh, close to 500 staff computers. So um, we had, uh, I worked on the help desk there and, uh, and workstation and network support. So for network support, we did mostly just patching and, uh, you know, uh, port security and things like that. Um, the campus IT handled the backend networking, but. Okay. So between public and, and, and staff, you had close to a thousand workstations, it sounds like. Yep. And I imagine that, um, a lot of those public workstations, did you, did you use any tools to like, kind of like deep freeze or to make those so that they were like constantly, you know, reverting so that people weren't messing them up. Any, anything like that, that you get, that you worked um. with? I used Reboot Restore and um, Deep Freeze in my last position as IT manager at Urbana Free Library. Okay. Um, but um, at the U of I library, we just we did it with group policy and um, auto login. And uh, back then, you could use mandatory profiles a little easier, so we did that. Um, so you, but that's kind of, that's kind of gone away. Like um, just wiping profiles after people log off or after that. Yep. Yeah, it's very important, you know, not to leave any of that information you know somebody scans their social security card or whatever you know so and and i worked at morris library after i graduated high school for a year and a half or so and and so there were some unique scenarios that we dealt with and when you've got those public computers that anybody can use just walking in off the street not necessarily having to have an siu id you get some people in there for some interesting purposes um, yeah, for and, sure. and you want to make sure that that computer is wiped and restored back to, uh, you know, a, a, a clean slate. And um, I one of the things I remember at, at the library, there was a, a period of time and I would get in early, uh, you know, early being like eight o'clock. Um, and one of the things I would do first after I checked in was to go around to the public computers and just look at them and just turn the monitors back on. And there would be, you know, oftentimes something, you know, just really gross up on the screen that somebody had left for the next person to find. So I took it upon myself to kind of, you know, go through and make sure they were rebooted and make sure that there wasn't going to be a, you know, a grandma logging on and seeing something that would, you know, shock her to a, uh, to, you know, heart attack or something. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just, I guess, the nature of being in the game, right? Yeah, we had a lot of, um, we had a lot of board engineering students in between classes that would try to break stuff too, you know, so. Oh, the hackers. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, just any school computer, you got to, Try to lock it down because they're going to try to change everything they can. You know? Yep. So. Figuring out how to pull up a command prompt or task manager, you got to make sure. And that's one of the things that I've always thought was kind of cool. And in classes, I've tried to um, do uh, exercises to have students come up with group policies and look up and investigate and figure out like what are the best settings, what are the what are the best practices for locking down workstations, you know, for this application, for a for a staff computer, for a completely open public computer, um, because they are so powerful. You know, we were looking the other day and I, I, I can't remember there was like forty eight hundred different group policy 
settings and attributes, you know, in that Microsoft Excel spreadsheet they put out. Um, tons wow. of stuff you can do, you know, tons of stuff you can do. And not to mention all the PowerShell and scripting and whatever else you can throw in the mix. So, so that's yeah, people, I'm still, I'm still learning stuff about, you know, people are put in a little command to get it to show up in HTML so you can browse it a lot easier and just all kinds of little tricks of the trade, you know, that you don't use that super often. And uh, when you're in a lab environment that's populated or in a, you know, when you do a lab, it's only got a couple things in there. So it's kind of hard to really feel. So whenever you have like a, a lab, that's like a fake company that's got like, you know, a ton of users and different departments and stuff. It, um, and then once you really get your hands on an actual organization, that's it just really just starts to click, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and were you involved? Were there any uh, like virtual desktop uh, infrastructure projects or things that they were talking about at that point or while you were working there? Uh, not really. Uh, while I was working there, we were really big into SCCM um, for all of our operation system deployment, all of our, you know, um, patching and uh, software deployment. Um, and then I went on to be the IT manager at Urbana Free Library and it's kind of a one or two person show there. So I got to do all the servers and network and even stuff you don't even think of like card access and uh, oh. you know, uh, web Phys- cam- or physical security. security. Yeah, security cameras, just, you know, when you're in IT, sometimes anything that's plugged in, even if it's like a, Pencil sharpener becomes yeah, like the big mouth Billy Bass <laughs> that hangs on one guy's wall that stopped working. You got to go over and figure out how to troubleshoot. Exactly. Now yeah. I did see uh, I did see an Arduino project for my Arduino class that somebody proposed, and it is taking one of those big mouth Billy Bass things, you know, the ones that flop around and and sing, and actually hooking that up to an Arduino so that you could feed in your own custom uh, custom audio. Um, and well, and that'd, I, that'd be golden. I happen to have a, a big mouth Billy Bass behind this door in the other room. So that might be something that gets broken out for, for fall class. I saw a TikTok where it was five fish singing bye 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 by NSYNC. Oh, well, I'm not beautiful. I'm not springing for four more big mouth Billy Bass, but uh, but um, maybe one, maybe a solo. <laughs> maybe it could be the Lance Bass. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> okay so what was the abrana free library was that um a public library owned by yeah. or like a government city of urbana yeah i worked for the city there okay um, and um yeah we had a we had a decent budget for you know what to do with uh technology but the, st- the staff was kind of you know you had to had to have a entry-level kind of staff member um and that's just kind of what it was with budget cuts and things, you know, and uh, we ended up bringing on a uh, managed service provider, which is to handle our network and servers and things, uh, helps the person in this, that position, you know, sleep at night a little better. And uh, knowing that, you know, if something does go down, that you're going to have help, and it's not just going to be, you know, you there until everything's better. So, you know, uh, that's that's a really good point, and that's something that I have noticed because I have, you know, worked kind of on the periphery of small business IT and consulting myself previously. And one of the things, and actually, um, we had a there's a there's an IT firm here. We had the owner and founder of that talking to us. And one thing we talked about was this this shift from, um, you know, 
small businesses, uh, smaller, medium-sized organizations, you know, calling up a an IT service provider, network service provider, MSSP, whatever you want to say, when there was just a problem and doing like a bill by the hour type of deal and shifting to where those places are really only offering, you know, monthly contracts so that they come in and they help make things, you know, good at a baseline so that they're not sprung on when there is a problem. They're, they're doing stuff to help maintain and, and keep the networks and the servers going to prevent those problems. Um, and, and that certainly is, you know, uh, like, like peace of mind um, in, in that scenario. Yeah, it was nice for the IT manager to have that, you know, especially since you're doing this, all this stuff, right? But you can't have for, for 20 bucks an hour, say you can't have a security expert on your staff you can't have a cloud expert on your staff you know so it's nice to be able to you know a lot of places are taking that salary for that that person and turning it into you know a managed service provider and uh yeah so i ended up wanting to get back into remote work whenever uh, the pandemic happened and uh, mm -hmm. since people were starting to take it seriously and um you know my my experience had become valuable so uh, i threw my hat in the ring out there and tried to get ahead of the big you know wave of people going um remote. yep and i got a remote job in la uh, so i ended up working for a managed service provider and um it's kind of cool to be on the other side of things you know i'm on a team now that every single person is an it person um, my boss their boss I'm used to working for, uh, you know, CFOs and spending, yeah, or, yeah, or, and just spending half my time trying to justify or translate. And it's just, it's a lot easier, you know, when my boss knows everything I'm going to say or can speak in the same yeah, language. Yeah. And can even give me, you know, feedback or better ideas. Um, so so that's nice. And then another thing about being in an MSP is that, you know, we have all the tools and all the new fancy stuff because we have to, to keep people secure. So we've got all the security stack and all these different things that, you know, I would just kind of hope to have mm -hmm. like Veeam, for instance, and things yeah. that are just ex things that are expensive that, you know, as your own little shop, you might not even be able to justify at all. Right. But, um, so yeah, and uh, it's it's been really really neat. Um, I'm at a pretty fun company that's based out in LA, and uh, they closed their office actually, and uh, over a year ago. So uh, everybody's fully remote, and they do a good job of trying to you know, keep engagement. Uh, and we fly out there twice a year for company events. So yeah, it's been pretty great. We've got about 2,000 computers, about 100 companies that we support. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and in talking about the remote yesterday, we had on um, a, a friend of mine who worked for Amdocs up in Champaign, and she was able to go fully remote out of Austin, Texas, just by, you know, talking to them. And they were like, yeah, you're doing oh, a wow. good job. So. So, yeah, you know, that is something, you know, more than more than, you know, if I thought about it, there's there's quite a few that we've we've talked to who are doing a lot of remote work and and the MSSP game. Um, 
is like you said, neat. There's, there's a lot of things you can get your hands on. And I imagine um, if you're working with customers now, I know MS, MSSPs, a lot of times they want their customers to use a specific technology or specific tool um, because it's one that they're familiar with and that they know how to use. And, and you know, maybe they get you know, discounts on you know, volume pricing for a certain tool or something for customers. But sometimes customers have their own stuff and, and you've got to figure that stuff out too, or you've got to work on that stuff as you transition to new equipment and new systems. Um, so if you had the opportunity to like, just play with a whole bunch of network security server technologies um, throughout this uh, time at, uh, at, at SugarShot? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I worked in IT for, you know, years and then I came into this and it's just like learning through a fire hose. I mean, like, it's like, okay, so I was everything for the IT, everything for the library, right? But how often does an executive get fired and you need to get their stuff off their OneDrive without them there and you need to convert their stuff to a shared mailbox and like that might happen once in your career you know but stuff like that you know it might happen a couple times a year if you do 100 companies or uh, how often you know just all kinds of different examples of things that might come up you know every couple years they come up every couple weeks kind of deal so uh, you just kind of turn into a little bit like a Swiss Army knife, and mm-hmm. you just uh, it's it's cool. Um, and then yeah, we've got a, a Microsoft portal with all the different customers in there. We try to we try to sell Microsoft and get them get them over there. But we have some customers that use G Suite and such. And but yeah, a lot of the networks you'll inherit just what you got. You know, um, a lot of them will be crazy crazy different uh varieties of things mm-hmm. um we use avic which is like a a network discovery and monitoring tool and it, it creates a topology and all kinds of stuff it's really great it basically just puts a collector on their on their site and goes out and uh finds everything and asks for you to give it the snmp credits and and uh once you do that it's it's all there and um so that's pretty great and then we're a meraki shop so we try to Oh, okay. Yeah, so we try to sell Meraki when things die or, you know, if people are talking about, hey, you know, our network is just really bad, you know, or our Wi-Fi is old or whatever, we'll try to, you know, use that as a sales opportunity to bring in some Meraki equipment. Or... And and Meraki, um, they are a Cisco-owned company still, right? Yes. And, and they've uh, they've actually come to SIU um for recruitment purposes uh, a couple times before and we've had um students that work there currently and a student that did an internship there and man that company is like what you think of when you think of like silicon valley hip cool place to work um they were talking about like free tacos every tuesday for the whole company <laughs> and some sort of like three-story intern house that that they got to live in if you went out there for the summer interns and wow, just thanks. just just seemed like a really neat thing and and Meraki's um one of you know they are they're Cisco but they're totally different they're their own company that Cisco bought out and they do right. uh it's cloud-based networking devices so security switches routers they're doing really cool stuff i remember them demoing with the um the um 
what are they video video camera surveillance cameras and stuff like that so um neat company and and i imagine that's fun stuff to to work with too yeah i mean you don't have to like ccna and stuff like all that stuff you learn about you know this uh language and everything it's it's all GUI now, you know, uh, especially when companies want you to use their stuff. It's like, well, because I could set up this rocket for you real quick based off of all these other ones, you know, it's the MSP we brought in was kind of the same. They were Fortinet and they, you know, do you have Fortinet? Do you want Fortinet? Kind of, yeah. kind of, kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, back to sugar shot. They were, um, they're, they're one of those kind of fun companies, you know, too. they, trying to get engagement. Um, they sent everybody in the company an Oculus Quest too. Um, and we meet um, once a month in VR at Town Hall. So we'll do a presentation and an auditorium, a virtual auditorium. And we'll sit there and listen to, you know, a presentation. And it feels like you're there. Um, so that's just some fun, different stuff to, you know, make remote employees feel engaged because and, and then does they everybody... all live in LA, but they don't necessarily see each other that much either because the drives and yeah. home. So at the end of those town halls, does everybody break out and play Beat Saber? <laughs> we we've played some games before, but at the end of the town halls, we just like uh, do ridiculous things like Have you a can virtual pop, beer. You can, yeah, you can populate like cats <laughs> and like make them big or beers or glasses. We just kind of mess around for the rest of the time but yeah that's fun that's fun but I, that's, I wanted to oh sorry go ahead i, I was going to say that's because that's one thing you know with with the remote that um you know i've had i've had a lot of really cool people that i've learned a lot of stuff with working sitting next to over the years or even working with that we're at another facility or a headquarters location in another state but you know just interacting um and that's valuable that is so valuable because well for one you learn a lot but then also networking for the future and a lot of people like i have on these are people i work with so um really cool to to be engaged with the people you work at and that's another benefit of working and not being the one man it shop or one one woman it shop um like you maybe were before yeah like if there's a problem that you know everybody kind of dives on it together so and we figure it out and it it's great to have that. Um, but I wanted to kind of get back to what you said earlier about virtual desktop. Um, yeah. So SCCM was kind of the meal ticket a while ago. Um, and now it feels like virtual desktop is it. Like if I was going to tell people to learn something, that's it. Um, we've got all these companies that are like, okay, well, we need to send somebody a laptop. So they just send them whatever laptop, you know, it could be from Amazon. It could be whatever, but that doesn't matter because they're just going to remote into a virtual desktop environment. So we've been spinning up a lot of Azure, Azure virtual desktop environments uh, where, you know, the user needs to be licensed with business premium and uh, they log into the, um, through the remote desktop app and away they go. Um, so everything from start to finish for the VDI is, is Azure cloud? Yep. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, I, I had heard about that, but I, I, I guess I, it's not something I've, I've looked into. I, well, I'm familiar with the, the VMware, you know, local cluster SAN type solutions. Um, um, but, we had remote desktop servers and stuff at first when I started here, but more and more, are, it's just, <clears throat> it's just, yeah, when like, you know, we had a broker, 
we've got some clients that are on that with the connection broker and the RDS servers and all that, but running out of licenses uh, and yeah, well, you got to have like five different servers going. Um, and <clears throat> it's hard to troubleshoot. And, uh, it just seems that everything new, all of our new implementations are, you know, entirely Azure. So, yeah, um, I, I worked with those terminal server and they were just clunky, you know, they were just clunky and slow. And, you know, you're, you're taking a system administration tool and trying to make it a workstation for a regular user. And it, it doesn't really fly. We've got some companies that, you know, only do it for their um, interns. So they'll hire like a bunch of interns from USC and they'll be like, well, we don't want to communicate with you through your USC account. We don't want to mess up your office apps. So we're just going to spin up a virtual desktop for you. Okay. You use that and all of your apps are in there. Um, and then we kind of do the same for some companies that are entirely Mac that need MS project or something like that, that doesn't work on Mac. So mm -hmm. We'll spin them up a Windows VM and uh, install it there. That's cool. Um, and I imagine the fact that these are all Azure um, instances now, I imagine that the licensing for the Microsoft products is a lot easier to deal with than, than before. Because I know when we were doing things, like we, my old job, we were doing terminal servers so people could do project um, and, and share licenses. And, and it was just like, I was back before Microsoft really even thought about what do, you know, uh, people using remote sessions need in terms of licensing? How do you deal with that? Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, per I, the, I can't remember the cows and all the different things you need. Mm -hmm. It's like I had to, man, you could talk. I feel like you could call Microsoft and talk to them forever and still be confused. And uh, it's a lot easier with those 365 licensing for sure. That's N365. cool. Yeah, one I, I worked for a place and I, I came in there and um, one of the very first things I I had to do and I, I wasn't told to do it, but I realized it had to be done was to do an audit. And we realized they were like fifty five thousand dollars behind on the amount of licenses that they were supposed to have for, you know, Workstation Pro and Office and Project and that type of stuff. And it was a, uh, it was eye opening. And then, you know, learning about this vendors, how do they do licensing and this vendor, how do they do licensing? And it's, it gets crazy. So that's one of the cool things about cloud is it's kind of all wrapping into one and you're paying a monthly, you know, instead of a perpetual cows and, you know, that type of thing. It's client access licenses, which, you know. Speaking about licensing, um, so on my last job, IT manager kind of doing all the things, right? And then uh, here I'm a senior systems administrator. So I'm like a L3 escalation point. So, okay. um, you know, the guys on my team, I'm a team lead. If they can't figure it out, it comes up to me. Okay. Kind of deal. Um, and, you know, um, I, I do kind of less now, you know, I don't do triage. Like I don't look at the ticket and decide what to do with it, decide who it needs to go to. I don't, I don't, you know, do procurement or licensing or, you know, we've got customer success people that deal with, you know, complaints or anything like that. So I just, I just fix stuff. You just and fix the broke big stuff. Yeah. And it's on my schedule too. Like they tell me what I'm supposed to do and I sit down and I do it. So, um, and it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of learning, um, uh, CE continuing education, um, uh, 
we have uh, you know certifications are encouraged and uh, reimbursed if you you pass. So I've been starting to get serious about those. I haven't ever really been too serious about certs, but I've been starting to go down the Microsoft route, working on uh, Cloud Expert cert right now. So okay, cool. And that's you know that's one thing I think we've mentioned previously, but um, you know certs vary by employer. But when you work for a company that's providing you know, expertise to customers and clients, you know, technology expertise, um, those certs can be more valuable in that scenario because it provides validation of, you know, our people are good. They've got these certs, you know, and, and, and that is something that, you know, if you just work for, you know, the university, they may not care, you know, your cert, big deal, but, uh, uh, mm -hmm. but, but where you're at certs can, can be, I've seen it being the difference between getting a customer and, and not getting a customer because somebody had a Cisco cert and that's what they yeah. wanted in their customer. Well, at the, at the library, uh, I didn't, didn't mention it, but we did, you know, a lot of public printing. So, um, like we had printers that would print a million pages in public, and then we could put them to limp out the rest of their lives in a staff office somewhere, you know? Wow. And, uh, yeah, and especially you know syllabus day and stuff like that. So uh, they ended up getting. I they asked for me to get certified in uh, HP. So I'm a HP platform specialist, so that I could tear apart printers and do warranty repair without them having to send on a tech. Um, and I would also repair the motherboards and do things like that without them uh, sending out a tech. And then they actually kind of they cut us a check. For your yeah, for you, so for, that they don't have to send somebody else out. Yeah, so that, that ended up being kind of nice, and I did the A plus after Lake Land, but that was pretty much it. And right now, though, I'm starting to do all kinds of different stuff, and it's fun. They uh, they provide us time during the week to study too, just so that we don't have any kind of excuse like oh, I don't have time, you know. So mm -hmm. it's it's a good learning environment for sure. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so what types of technologies today like what is your daily to do uh look like what are you working oh with? gosh <laughs> oh like the stuff that we use i use like uh, a lot of ConnectWise is uh that's the big thing with msbs there's like two real big companies and ConnectWise is one of them so, and what's ConnectWise? um it's a RMM tools, so like remote monitoring management. We use that for um, like software deployment and things like that. Um, patching. Um, then we also have another ConnectWise product called Screen Connect that we connect to computers with, uh, like uh, you know remote assistance. And then uh, log me in or remote. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the best one I've ever used. Uh, I click on a computer, I'm on it instantaneously. Um, and then uh, we use, you know, ConnectWise Manage for our, our ticketing system. Okay. And uh, yeah, I've been getting my hands dirty with a lot of different technologies because we buy like different things to try to, you know, bolster our stack and uh, just got to get to use all different kinds of new stuff. Um, so like uh, Sentinel One is one of our... Oh, CrowdStrike! Uh, like uh, their direct competitor, so they're oh. a next gen. They are a next generation antivirus, though. That's like CrowdStrike, where you have a portal and all that. So, um, been working with them. We've got all kinds of different security um, platforms that do specific things. 
to to just try to you know bolster that because we use um a Kaseya product called the IT glue which is kind of like a place where you keep all your passwords and all your documentation and stuff um okay so if you've got if you've got all the keys to the kingdom right of everybody's kingdom you know that's kind of like security people are they were going for low hanging fruit and then they started going for where the money is. And then now it's like, well, if we can go after these MSPs then we get all these passwords, you know? So, um, there Solar, was solar winds. Yeah. Yeah. There was one, there was one that was affected where they, you know, every customer's password they had was gone. So, uh, or taken. So, and some of these specific, uh, platforms stopped it so now we have them <laughs> you know okay. so just it's a it's a you know it's always ever-changing you got to be agile and adjust and always watching the news uh, see what's be, going uh, yep threat and threat intelligence and yeah and sometimes sometimes it's even just microsoft you know like microsoft pushed out that patch that broke vpn windows vpn for everybody in the world and you might have heard about that in like January, and um, oh, stuff happens, you know. Yeah, well, Morocco uses Windows VPN, and that's about everybody we had. So, <laughs> eventful couple months. Yeah, you know, and then and and I always hear like people when when stuff like that happens, and and maybe this is just me, but people get so mad, and they're like, "Why would Microsoft do this?" And you got to think like. Microsoft is not in the business of screwing up their customer stuff. You know, this was not something that they anticipated happening. Gosh, I mean, they should have done something better, but things happen. You know, you got to be well, ready. Before before that, I was at the library and it was the print nightmare vulnerability and it made all of our printers stop working because I had a specific kind of printer that that thing just got borked by you know, the latest Windows update to, to patch print nightmare because it was an emergency update that they're like, okay, you know, everybody gets it right now. <laughs> and well, emergency updates, they don't test every single product out there. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, everybody's scenario can be, is a little different. So, you know, what works perfectly over at your library may, you know, screw up everything at my library um, because we've got to, uh, a different, you know, driver, uh, you know, that we we have to use because an application that we print all the time can't use the newest one or something like that, you know. So there's all sorts of crazy stuff that, you know, working with lots of customers, I get, you, I bet you get to see and deal with. Yeah, yeah, the variety is really nice here. Um, that that's part of it that just, you know, it makes it, you know, there is password resets and stuff that's common, but a lot of the old ones do that kind of stuff and. Uh, yeah, just lots of variety. Like today, I was on the phone with QuickBooks for a while, troubleshooting something. It's just always something different popping up. Um, so, do you deal with the the end user at the at your customers, or are you kind of beyond that because you're the level three and you're getting things escalated? Uh, we're we're a pretty small company. We've only got about you know, probably fifteen techs tops. So okay, um, yeah, I do. I work with the customers directly, but most of the customers on my schedule are CEOs or C-level. Okay. Just because, you know, you could do a hundred things right for a company and if the C-level has one bad day with you, you know, it's like it could ruin that relationship. And so we try, our L1s talk to them, you know, but we try to schedule 
C-level stuff with me or uh, someone else a little higher. Um, but yeah, um, I don't take live calls too much unless there's you know, somebody's out so, or somebody's out or something. Typically, what I do is like I'll do like a live escalation. Like I've already been already been helping somebody with it that I've already like told them stuff to try, and then this, they'll transfer it to me, and I'll take it from there. Um, or it'll get scheduled out. Um, but so they'll say this is uh, this is something I, I I'm not quite getting let me pull uh let me call in the big guns and uh drew will be assisting you shortly yeah pretty much <laughs> a lot of this a lot of the stuff we work on on my team is more stuff that can be fixed like that day uh, i do work with vendors and things because i'm a higher level but we've got another team that you know things that you're going to have to work with a vendor on for weeks and press on them and just things that won't close and uh bigger projects and uh you know, deployments and things like that. We've got a different team for that, but yeah, my team's the live support team. So anything that, you know, it's happening right now kind of deal. Um, oh, and then that that's with an outage too, you know, if everything, if there's an outage and everything's on fire, we're, we're the ones jumping on it. So. Gotcha. Now um, with SugarShot being out there in Los Angeles, um, does SugarShot, have like a specific like niche of customers or like a certain geographic area that their customers are or like an industry well, that could get now that we have everybody like we're 50 percent la maybe 50 percent the rest of the country so now that we have people in every time zone um we're opening up more areas for customers okay but msps do have a thing that they call like i can't remember the acronym but it's like you know like ideal client Mm -hmm. um type deal um and our typical ideal client profile or whatever is you know less than 200 employees um somewhere in that range okay because i i know some MS, mssps will do like you know they they go for the hospitality industry or you know they go for you know um, yeah yeah there's one there's there's one that um one of uh my coworkers went to recently and I, I was talking to her about her new job and she said, yeah, we are bigger than sugar shop, but we entirely do wineries in Napa. Oh, okay. So like and, their, their entire customer, they're all wineries. And, I was amazed. And that's, you know, that can be, um, uh, you know, a good business strategy because a lot of times the, the IT at a winery and like the software they use, may all be pretty much the same from one to the other. So, you know, you, you may have less, you got to learn more, you got to focus on, and you may also hire in a bunch of people who love wine. And then, you know, you get the, <laughs> you get the name as the wine loving MSSPs and uh, hopefully she can, uh, you know, reach out and hit some Southern Illinois wineries too. Cause uh, I bet that they, they need some MSSPs down here too. Right. Yeah. Well, some of ours are, um, I don't know, we've got a variety, but you know, we've got some law firms and they're, they're pretty challenging. And we've got, I've interviewed some folks, um, for, uh, for postings we have, and, um, it's always, or there's some folks that that's all they do is law firms. Like you're saying, it's, mm -hmm. uh, they'll work somewhere that you know, every single customer they have is a law firm. So. And, and, you know, sometimes they'll actually have people who, transitioned from being in a legal 
environment or legal career to IT. Like Monica here, she is uh, she's a nurse uh, looking at IT and studying IT. So, um, you know, somebody who's got knowledge in one domain can be extremely valuable to the right um, to the right you know IT firm or the right IT position. The other one I'm thinking of is my my good friend Nicole, who's a pharmacist, and she does IT for epic uh health record systems okay yeah. and so yeah up in west up in madison right well she's Somewhere. she's down here in carbondale but she does remote stuff so oh, cool she just you know her uses her pharmacological knowledge and experience to write the the workflows and the the med medicine protocols and all that type of stuff within the the epic system so you know there's yeah. We've got like food, food production companies, you know, toy companies, all kinds of different stuff, like people that do like platinum records, people that do just all over the place. Um, you know, it's, it's really quite the variety. So that's cool. Um, and then we've also got some with like some places that are kind of more like a doctor's office where you've got, you know, 60 computers that are all different rooms with like a doctor would use or, mm -hmm. um, and, we've kind of been branching out a little bit. They, they talked about maybe, maybe doing like schools, even like smaller schools, like, cause people are coming to us. It's not, you know, it's not, like we're not necessarily beating on people's doors. It's more like, uh, we've got a bunch of different people that are interested. We try to see if they match, match what we're looking for and, uh, kind of go from there. Cool. Um, questions, Monica, John. All right, I have a one kind of, I mean, any advice for students? And then I've got five rapid fire questions for you. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I kind of, I answered some of it in my survey that you sent mm -hmm. me, but, but yeah, just, you gotta kind of push for you, um, what you wanna do, try to find a company and ask them if there's chances, like ask them if, I'm interested in this part of IT. Is there a chance for me to, you know, do a little bit of that or shadow somebody in that or learn that? Um, and you kind of always end up being, if you learn something, it's like you end up being the expert at that, even if you're not. So uh, just kind of sharing information, documenting everything that's in your brain, really important. And, and smile. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you got to advocate for you. You know, it's like, I got my, my bet it's just a different world everybody changing jobs all the time and stuff you know my dad had one job his whole career and it's like uh, with me it's like i was at the university they paid for me to get my degree you know but they weren't going to give me that extra money they were going to say okay well now it's on you we'll if you go somewhere else you know congratulations we'll support you kind of deal so right um so yeah you just got to kind of keep that in mind um a lot of people are weary about that right now. So I try to tell people, you know, just at least to have two years, try to, um, and, uh, really try to sell yourself on your resume. Like I try to find a mentor. I've mentored a lot of people. Um, and I've had a lot of people mentor me right. and, uh, different mentoring programs and things where I'll sit down with people and, you know, look at their resume and then kind of ask them about what they do and be like, well, you told me I do SCCM. Why isn't, why isn't SCCM on here? Like what? Like just try to get more out of them and uh, really try to market 
them to what's happening. So, you know, if you want to learn about virtual desktop and stuff and you know, try to get into that, like put it at the top kind of deal. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and so what you just said there is kind of, in my experience, a, a trademark kind of trait of Salukis is this, this desire to help the other people, help other Salukis, but just in general, you know, kind of bring forth goodwill within the industry you work. And doing something like this, talking to our current students, sharing your experiences, just, you know, like I, like I said, all the time, I, I'm always just in awe of how generous and, and just helpful the Saluki uh, alums are. So we appreciate your time, Drew. And um, I have five rapid fire fun questions for you. Yeah, great. No problem. You've got me until 115 if you need me. All right. Well, this one is, what's your favorite food? Do you have a favorite restaurant, cuisine, anything that is your top of the, the, the meal list, I guess? Well, um, I could eat Mexican every day. So. You could eat Mexican every day? Yeah, like burritos or al pastor, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, it, just, it doesn't get old. Um, I hear the correct answer is the bagel truck or whatever that's gone now from down in Southern. But oh, Winston. I I, Winston. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've I, heard I, the, the legend, but I've never been there, you know. So, so yeah, ben, Winston, the bagel man, I know him a, a little and uh, he did. He did retire and, and he sold his business and now it's Winston's Bagels by JC, who is the guy who oh. bought him. So he's that's, still operating around town. Oh, that's cool. Yeah but it's not Winston's bagels anyway. Um, let's see. Second question. Do you have any like uh, podcasts, any movies, any television shows, any books that you're uh, reading currently? It doesn't have to be about technology or it could be. Gosh, anything to recommend? Uh, I wish, man, I, I've, uh, I've got, you know, doing the career and then I've got dad brain otherwise. Um, so I just, I watch, you know, kid shows, but, and then when they go to bed, I watch kids shows in peace, but no, um... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't get a video game and stuff as much as I used to, but, um, but yeah. Okay. Kid shows, uh, <laughs> no judgment, no judgment. I've, I've been there tonight. I'm hoping to finish the most recent, uh, series of, uh, season of stranger things with my kids. So Oh, nice. Um, I, f I finished Obi-Wan, so that was pretty good. Okay. Uh, so I stay current, but, and I try to go to the movies and stuff to get out of the house now that I work from home, you know, so. That's, that's important. Get, get out, get some time to yourself, spend some time with the kids, do fun stuff. Is, is there any type of technology uh, at work or, or at home um, that you are interested in learning more about or want to play with that you maybe haven't got to, or, or you're just starting to? Um, a lot of it's just the cloud stuff, you know, it's like, you, I worked at a lot of places that, you know, hope to do it or, you know, they would, they would try to, you know, combine, um, and get rid of the data centers and, um, but working at a place that's kind of cloud first has really kind of opened my eyes to it more. Um, and really just scratching the surface on that stuff. It's very in-depth very yeah you can do some you can do so much so um that's that's the way things are going right now um 
we do a lot of Teams phone implementations. And oh, cool. Different things like that. Um, With hardware so, phones too? No, just like this. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got Teams phone. My phone number comes to my cell phone if people call me. Um, it's pretty cool, usually. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you're not wanting your teams. work phone to ring on your cell phone, you know, when you're at a baseball game watching your kids, but who knows? <laughs> Uh, okay, so I will splice these together. Um, where do you see yourself in your career five to 10 years from now? Um, so typically I've just been trying to you know, get to where I'm at a comfortable salary kind of deal. And uh, I got there and then um, applied to a bunch of different places for this remote uh, deal I was talking about and it's like I could have ended up at so many places that were you know just draining or uh, I don't know I applied to be IT director for um, a factory in Champaign and I interviewed and I was interviewing at the same time as this, this admin job and it's like I didn't get that director job but if I would have it's like would I have been happy or as happy like, as you are now yeah like they were kind of like chomping at the bit to like talking about like when I talked about how I'd worked you know all hours and stuff they're just like that's that's what we want kind of deal and like here I'm on call like once every six weeks for a week um and it kind of stinks but I used to be on call all the time so mm -hmm. it's like it's it's nice to you know have a have a rotation like this and uh I ended up working at the fun company you know so it's like that kind of gave me a chance to look and see like you know what's important. Um, I also worked. I also worked for the library for the last year until they hired my replacement, kind of like as a bridge. Okay. So I had two jobs, um, and the money was nice. But you know now, I, with the family time back, it's like you know you really get to see what's important. So. And, and there's something to be said for I. I think it's cool. You're working for a company out of L.A., but you're living with Midwest cost of uh, living. Um, you know, which is obviously going to be a lot more yeah so i mean they're pretty good about that they pay at the top of your um a lot of places they don't they don't want to pay what you pay to live out there because i don't have to have a million dollar house if i need to buy a house right but right but um you know they pay at the top of your uh area okay so it was like okay well i could do this instead and um you know they like if they if people from la were to move somewhere cheaper they could and they would you know get their pay bumped down to match that okay. area the cost so, of living but okay. some companies you know like facebook or whoever some of the bigger companies like they're trying to a talent's talent and if you want it you got to pay for it so everywhere is different with that but that's just yeah. how we are and it works for me um so awesome last question if you could retire today, money was no object, you could do anything you absolutely wanted to, what would it be? I feel like I would be bored. I don't know. Maybe not. But um, I've got a 150-year-old house. I work on it all the time. Okay. Um, so money and time, it's, you know, it's always a thing. But um, I like working remote. I feel like you know, I wanted to work at the U of I forever and retire there. I had no plans ever to leave, but um, just 
kept kind of pushing myself and want one more. And now that I'm mid career, like you're saying, it's like, it's my priorities have kind of changed. It's more mm-hmm. about where I'm going to be happy. Um, and I don't know, it's the kind of place where I feel like, you know, later on I could say, Hey, I just want to work like 10 hours a week. Is that okay? Like when I'm 60 or whatever, every third Tuesday from four <laughs> in the afternoon to five fifteen. Yeah, it's probably fine. So I, <laughs> I don't know, but, but yeah. Um, so, so no, no immediate thoughts on retiring other than maybe playing around at that 150 year old house. Yeah. I'd be, you know, that's cool. Stay, stay home. Dad would be cool or whatever, but the kids are gone during the day, you know, so then you gotta do hobbies. Right. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I have a 10 year old house and it seems like I'm fixing something every single day. So oh, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Well, for hobbies though, just since you mentioned it, um, uh-huh. I'm not really into technology stuff. Okay. Like, uh, it's funny to say that, but like, I, I know, kind I, of feel the same way. I mean, I have smart home stuff everywhere and like, you know, I'm not like technology averse by any means, but I didn't really have a personal computer and, for the last like decade just because i use my work one and okay. if i'm browsing the web i use my phone pirating is not as much of a thing anymore so i don't really need my own computer <laughs> just everybody's got you know services and subscriptions for everything now so yeah but but uh i think it's i've had people ask me that in interviews you know it's like and they didn't really want to hear that i was super into technology they wanted to hear that i had other hobbies right you know and it depends some people some people want that person who goes home and works in their home lab till midnight every night building servers and virtual machines and hacking (laughs) stuff but other times it's like yeah you want to be a real person that does things and has you know stuff outside the it realm and you know i'm sitting here in my basement with a beautiful garden that we we've got and you know uh all sorts of other priorities that you know it is is not the one that i focus on after work so yeah it was a job it's a job that's like in demand you know when 15 years ago whenever i decided my my course i knew i would never get bored with it yeah you're you're good at it you know you're good at it and and it pays the bills and it doesn't make you mad every second of your workday so that's cool yeah i don't like to support my own technology right you know so like whenever Androids first came out, you kind of had to be a sysadmin. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get an iPhone because they don't have to, don't have to work on it. But then so, I ended up going, going back to Android, but you know what I mean? It's like, I just, I just want my stuff to work. Right. And, and right <laughs> now uh, I'm working on a, a, a family reunion playlist on Spotify that I've created and shared out with my family. Cause I've got cousins from St. Louis all coming this weekend. And one thing this morning, my mom's all like, Tom, how do I, how do I add songs to the shared family playlist? And I'm like, mom, come on. You know? <laughs> so guess what? I pawned it off on my 12 year old. He's going to, there you go. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> awesome. Drew. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate your time. Um, I will, uh, send you the link when I get these videos put together and I get this up on the podcast. Um, and, and, and thanks again.